Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message called The Curse of Comparison. We love this brand new series called Sabotage. And if you're local, if you're near us in Brighton, Colorado, we'd love to have you on a weekend, either at 8.30, 10, or 11.30. Hey, it is so great to have everyone here this morning at Orchard Church. Also wanna welcome those that'll be joining us next week online. I hope you guys are excited to be at church today. Who's excited for some church today? Let me hear from you guys, awesome. We are kicking off a brand new four-week series called Sabotage. Take out your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. As you're turning there, I think it's worth celebrating one more time, big time, 101 people who went public with their faith and baptism last week. You can do better than that, church. Come on now. That is incredible. That is incredible. Let's never get used to all of the life change that that represents. We've had almost 400 people that have been baptized just since we moved into this new building. And so we praise God. If you need to be baptized, make sure you sign up now uh, for the next one that will be coming up uh, this fall. You don't want to miss out on that. Um, as we kick off our series today, Sabotage, I don't know what you think about when you think of the word sabotage, but uh, how many of you would say there's probably been a time in your life where you felt sabotaged by someone or something? Would you raise your hand? You ever felt sabotaged maybe by somebody at work or somebody that was jealous of you or someone you thought was your friend? They're now no longer your friend because they sabotaged you or, or someone in your family. Uh, when I think about a time in my life that I first felt sabotaged, I was in the first grade. And in my first grade class growing up in Oklahoma, I, I went to the same school, um, same elementary school, all of my uh, elementary years from kindergarten all the way through sixth grade. And so I knew all the kids in my class and there was this other kid in my class his name was Blake Lund and him and I sometimes we were friends and sometimes we weren't and when we weren't friends it was usually because we were fighting over some girl okay I'm just I'm just being honest okay we were kind of the ladies men you know and and so we were in first grade and this girl moved into our town and started going to our school and she was really cute her name was Jill Douglas and I mean let me just tell you in first grade she was a woman among girls okay <laughs> And so immediately Blake Lund and myself were trying to figure out, okay, who, who could get her first? You know, who, who could get her to go out with him first? And, and back in, in the day, some of you will remember this, um, we would ask someone to go with us. You know, will, will you go with me? And my mom and dad would always say, well, where are you going? I'm like, ah, stop that, you know? And so you'd always send a note, okay? Uh, some of you younger people, we used to write notes on this thing called paper and pen. And so you'd write a little note and you would slip it to them. So I wrote a little note. To, to, to Jill Douglas and I said, will you go with me? Circle yes or no. And you always included maybe. Because if they circle maybe, you're saying there's a chance. And so I, I slipped through this note, I got a maybe. And Blake Lund did the same thing, if, if I remember correctly, and, and he got a maybe. So it was game on, okay? We're gonna have a contest here. Who, who can uh, win over Jill Douglas? And so I remember that day, it was, we were getting ready to go to lunch. And of course, then you know, as soon as you eat lunch, you get to go out on the playground, and that's where I was gonna make my move, you know? And so I think Blake knew this. And so we were getting ready to go to lunch, and we had to put our books and stuff in our locker and get our lunch out of, out of our locker. And I know 
know this is gonna surprise some of you, but when I was in the first grade, I was vertically challenged, okay? So, I mean, when I was in the first grade, I was about the size of a, a four-year-old or a five-year-old, believe it or not. And, and one of the problems that I had because of being vertically challenged was in my locker, there was kind of the bottom part where you'd hang your coat and put your books. And then there was a top compartment and that's where I would keep my lunch. Problem was I couldn't reach the top compartment unless I actually stepped up into my locker because it was about this far off the ground and then I could reach my, my lunch. And so I, I threw my books in my locker. I stepped up into my locker trying to get to my lunch and somebody went by and closed my locker door locked me in the locker. It was Blake Lund. He had sabotaged me. So I couldn't make my moves on Jill Douglas. And so I'm banging on the locker because there's no way to get out. It seemed like an hour. It's probably like five minutes. Finally, the teacher got me out of the locker. That is why I do not like small confined spaces to this day. Okay, it's one of my, my phobias. But he, I felt like he sabotaged me. I don't know whatever happened to Jill Douglas, but Jill Douglas's loss is Shelly's gain. That's all I'm gonna say, all right? That's all I'm gonna say. But I felt like I got sabotaged. Well, here's something you need to understand, whether you're new to the Christian life or you're exploring the Christian life or if you've been a believer a long time, the Bible is very clear that when we become a follower of Christ, we have an enemy that is out to get us. He's out to take us down. He's out to shut us in a locker and his name is Satan. He, he's the devil. And he gets up before we do every day and he goes about like a roaring lion seeing, seeking whom he can devour and take us out. And he wants to sabotage our lives and our Christian lives and walks with Christ and he often doesn't work from the outside in but from the inside out he tries to mess with our minds and mess with our emotions and that's what we're going to be dealing with uh, the enemy within that tries to sabotage us that's what we're going to talk about in this series I'll tell you where we're going uh, next week we're going to talk about how the enemy uses the lies of labels to, to try to make us find our identity and our labels uh, rather than in, in Christ uh, the third week of this series we're going to talk about how the enemy tries to attack and sabotage us with fear um, and we want to learn how to walk by faith and not by fear. The last we're going to wrap up talking about how the enemy wants to sabotage us with apathy. Today, we're going to talk about something I think all of us can relate to. At times, we all struggle with this, some of us more than others. I believe this, this can set some of you free today. This could be a very freeing today for some of you today. Whereas we're going to talk about how the enemy wants to sabotage us with the curse of comparing. Comparing ourselves to other people or other things to, to try to defend feed us. But here's the good news. Even though we know we have an enemy that wants to sabotage us from the inside out and mess with us, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You believe that church? We are more than conquerors and we don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be overcome by our enemy, especially when it comes to the area of the curse of comparing. And I'll just tell you of all four weeks of this series, this one is the one that speaks to me the most. This is the one that is the most personal to me. This is the area of my life that I constantly have to be aware of, I have to watch out for. Uh, I probably struggle with this area more than any other area all, all of my life. And so God has really been working on my life and my heart preparing uh, this message today. And I get to preach it three times. So God's gonna speak to me over and over and over. But I've always struggled uh, with comparing and, and still do sometimes. Uh, 
to this day. Um, usually what I compare myself to is my size compared to other guys' size. And I'm like, okay, God, why did you make our creative art pastor 6'10 and I'm 5'5? Five, five? You know, couldn't you given me, you know, five or six of those inches? I mean, that's, that doesn't really seem fair. And, you know, I compare that way. But I will tell you this. I really enjoyed the first conference that I went to with Matt Thompson, our creative art pastor. He's, he's actually like six, 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 seven. And we got on the airplane and we sat in coach, you know, to be good stewards of our money. And I'm like, you know, feeling great. He's like over there, like a pretzel like this. And I mean, his knees and, and he's like, this is horrible. And I'm all sprawled out. This is great. I got all the leg room in the world, man. What's your problem, dude? I did enjoy that. I, re I really did enjoy, enjoy that a, a, a lot. I did. I'm just gonna enjoy it for a moment. Just think about it. <laughs> I don't get many opportunities to enjoy, you know, somebody being that much taller than me, but, but I did in that moment. But, but I, I struggle with this at times, comparing in different ways. And maybe some of you can relate to this as well. And here's the key thought I want you to get this morning that is gonna challenge and free some of you. It's in your notes. I hope you'll write this down. There's no win in comparison. There is no win in our Christian lives when it comes to comparison. There's no win in comparison. And some of you can relate to this, whether you're comparing your car to somebody else's car or your clothes to somebody else's clothes or your kids to somebody else's kids or, or your house to someone else's house. You know, man, I used to like my house. I thought my house was pretty nice. And then my friend got their new house. They got the Joanna Gaines farmhouse, hashtag lap ship or ship lap or whatever you call it. <laughs> Sounds like something you step in if you ask me. <laughs> but we start comparing. And here's what I want you to understand. There's no win in comparison. And the enemy uses this to sabotage us. The fastest way to kill something special in our life is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something special in our life is to compare it to something or someone else and it sabotages us. L let me give you two reasons. I hope you write this down in your notes uh, and we're gonna look at some scripture this morning. Two reasons why the Bible tells us there's no win in comparison. The first reason is this. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, I promise you, contentment ends, and God wants us to live content lives. We'll get to 2 Corinthians in just a moment, but Paul said this in Philippians 4.11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be, somebody help me out, content with whatever I have. Paul says, I've learned the importance of contentment in my life. I'm not gonna compare myself to everybody else and what they have or don't have or what I have or don't have or my position or their position. I've learned that God wants me to be content. That's what God wants for all of us, to be content. But where comparison begins, contentment ends. And I think we can agree that it's easier today than ever to compare ourselves to one another especially because of social media. Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. Man, we see people's stuff on there and, it, and we start comparing, don't we? we? We see things that in the past we probably wouldn't have seen. Uh, we see the party that all the pictures that we weren't invited to. And we're like, well, why wasn't I invited to the party? I mean, other people are there, other friends of mine are there. Why didn't I get invited? Man, they're on their fourth vacation this year. 
I mean, we haven't even had one vacation this year, let alone four vacations. You know, they got their, their picture of them in the lounge chair and their book and their feet are up and the ocean or the pool is in front of them. And can I just keep it real and say this? Hey, we don't want to see your feet, especially if they're ugly, okay? You need to think twice about that, you know? You, got, you see that, you're like, man, and, and we get jealous of that and we, we get you know, upset about that and we compare, why don't I have that? Or we, we see the marriage pics. Man, they're out on a date night again. They're always going on date nights. They're at a really fancy, nice restaurant again. We can't even afford McDonald's. And we start comparing our lives and, and, and our relationships and our things with other people. And where comparison begins, I promise you over and over and over, contentment ends. Contentment ends. And we need to remember this. This is gonna help some of you. This is gonna help set some of you free. We need to stop comparing our behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. Because that's all you're seeing on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. You're not seeing the behind the scenes of the marriage that's struggling. You're not seeing the behind the scenes of the bondage of debt they're in. You're not seeing the behind the scenes of their kids that are unruly and they really like to auction them off. Okay, you just see the highlight reels and we, we know our behind the scenes and one of the most freeing things we can do to be content to live like God wanted is to stop comparing our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reels because where comparison begins, contentment ends. This is exactly what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Now let me give you the context. The apostle Paul was a missionary and he went around the known world starting churches all around the Mediterranean Sea and he went into a city called Corinth and he led people to faith in Jesus Christ. A church was started there. But as so often would happen, as he would establish a church in that city and he would leave, the enemy would try to sabotage those those people and that church and, and false teachers would come in and false prophets would come in and people would come in claiming to be apostles with the same authority as Paul, yet they had not been given that authority. And so some of the false apostles came in and tried to claim that they, the people should follow them more than they followed Paul. And they tried to tell the people how much greater they were than Paul and that Paul was kind of a mean guy to them. Well, in this second letter to the Corinthians, here's the advice that Paul gives to the people in that church in Corinth. He says in chapter 10, verse 12, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only what, church? Comparing themselves with each other. They're just comparing themselves among themselves to feel better about themselves. They're just comparing with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. Let's say it together, Orchard. What does Paul say? How ignorant he said, that's ignorant, that's silly, that's foolish when we compare. Because where comparison begins, contentment ends. He said, I'm not gonna compare myself to them. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna look to Christ. I'm gonna look to God. I'm not gonna fall into this comparison game. And we do it, don't we? We all do. We compare our house, we compare our car, our job, our, our, our stuff. And where comparison begins, contentment always ends. Paul said, we need to learn how to be content. Don't allow the enemy to discourage, defeat us, and sabotage us by comparing. Here's a second reason why there's no win in comparison. Comparison makes you feel either inferior or superior. Comparison makes you either feel inferior or superior. And neither one of those honors God. Neither one of those honors God. Well, you know, it's, it's Mother's Day, and I saw on Facebook that, that, that mom, that mom got breakfast in bed. I didn't get breakfast in bed, and I had to make my own bed. 
And then you feel inferior. You feel defeated. You know, you, or you feel superior. Man, I got a nice new ride. God blessed me with this. You start looking at other people's ride and you go, well, their ride isn't as nice as my ride. Their vehicle isn't as nice as mine. God must like me more than he likes them. God loves me more. God wants to bless me more. You, you see, if it makes sense, say yes, church. The problem with comparing is it makes you either feel inferior or it makes you feel superior and neither one of those honors God and it sabotages our life and our walk with Christ. And as I told you, this is something that I struggle with and I always have to be aware of. And I found over and over, if I allow my flesh to get involved in my life, the enemy within, then I will start either feeling inferior to other people or I'll start feeling superior to other people. You know, it was 13 years ago that we started Orchard Church in our living room. We didn't know anybody. We moved to Denver, Colorado. God called us here to join him where he was at work to, to plant a life-giving church in this community. And we started with four in, in, in our apartment living room. And in the last 13 years, God has blown our minds. He has blown us away with the thousands and thousands of people we've helped find and follow Jesus. And I believe the best is yet to come. Do you believe that, Orchard Church? I believe God is just getting started. I mean, what God did last Sunday, God was just showing off. Now, we shouldn't show off, but I love to celebrate when God shows off. Uh, we just found out um, two years ago, uh, there's a magazine, a national magazine that comes out um, every year. It's called the Top 100 Fastest Growing Churches. The Outreach Magazine does the Top 100 Fastest Growing Churches in America. Two years ago, we were 19 on that list. We just got a letter uh, this year and I got invited to a banquet, which I didn't get invited when we were 19, that to a banquet where they're gonna reveal where Orchard Church uh, finished last year um, in the top 100. We think there's a really good chance that we may be in the top top 10 fastest growing churches in America. We don't know for sure yet. We don't know for sure. The, 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 the top 10. And, and you say, well, is it all about numbers? No, but here's what we say. We count people at Orchard Church because people count. And every number represents a name that represents a life and every life matters to God. Every story matters to God and it matters to us. But let me tell you this. If I let my flesh get involved as the pastor of Orchard Church that started this church 13 years ago in a living room, I can either feel inferior or I can feel superior. I can feel inferior if, if we finish, you know, number nine, but there's eight churches in front of us. Man, I, I feel inferior. Why didn't we get there? How can we get to that one? And that's not the way to look at it at all. Our mission is just to help people find and follow Jesus. The results are up to God, amen? But I can also, if we finish in the top 10, I can look at 90 behind us and go, well, we beat them. And I can feel superior like I had something to do with it. Because I didn't. I'm just trying to do what God has led me to do. And I'm just, I just, can I just be real with you guys? If I let my flesh get involved instead of the spirit of God, the enemy will sabotage me with comparing. And I'll either feel inferior to other churches or I'll feel superior to other churches. And neither of those honors Jesus Christ. Neither of those is right. I gotta stay focused on what God has called me to do to help people find and follow Jesus. And the results are in the hands of God. And I would challenge the same is true in your life. When you, when you compare, you either feel inferior to other people or, or superior. Um, Andy Stanley, he's a well-known uh, pastor in the Atlanta area, started North Point Church. Um, they've got thousands of people. Uh, their church is a lot bigger than ours. 
And uh, Andy Stanley uh, did a series called Living in the Land of Ur, and he talked about this subject of, of comparing. And he says, too many of us live in the land of Ur. We want to be rich-er. We want to be cooler. We want to be prettier. We want to be stronger. We want to be taller. Amen. <laughs> and he says, man, when we live in the land of Ur, we're never content. I would say we sometimes take it a step further. We don't just live in the land of Ur. We live in the land of Est. We want to be richest. We want to be coolest. We want to be smartest. We want to be prettiest. We want to be tallest. We want to be the most tweetedest. That's not a word, but I'm throwing it in there anyway. <laughs> I want to be the likest. <laughs> yeah, my kids started walking at 12 months. Oh, yeah, well, my kids started walking at 10. My kids skipped a grade because they're so smart. My kid plays up in sports. They're just that good. They're going to be in the MLB. They're going to be in the NFL. My kid got a 35 on his ACT in the third grade. We're always trying to outdo one another. And when we do that, we either feel inferior or superior. And I want to show you a story in the scriptures that is amazing about this. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, if you don't think the Bible is entertaining and funny, you, you need to read your Bible. Uh, because I want to show you a story. If you've been around church any time, you've heard this story. You hear this story every Easter. But I want to show you some behind the scenes that we often miss that falls into this area of comparing. And it's among the disciples. Turn in your Bibles uh, to the Gospel of John. If you're in 2 Corinthians, just go back to the left a little bit in your Bible uh, to the Gospel of John. John was one of the 12 disciples. And, and if you read all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the different accounts of the disciples, what you'll start noticing if you pay attention is that they were human. Even though they were followers of Christ, they were to the disciples and, and they started the first church and all those things. They were human. And, and many times they were in competition with each other. Who's gonna be the greatest? Who's gonna sit at your right hand? And they were competing and comparing and Jesus had to straighten them out about this. Well, nowhere is that clearer or on display than in John chapter 20. Now, let me tell you what's going on here in John chapter 20. John is the writer of the gospel of John. John is telling the story of Jesus, but it also includes his story. But John, every time he refers to himself, he doesn't just say I or me, he speaks of himself in the third person. Person. That's annoying. How many of y'all know someone in your life, they speak in the third person? All right, do you make nobody like that? Okay, don't point to them. Just pray for them. Let, let me just say this. Can I help you out and, and be honest? If you refer to yourself in the third person all the time, God loves you, but stop it. That is annoying to everybody to refer to yourself in the third person. And it's annoying to Pastor Doug. Don't do it, okay? But this is what John does. And here's how he, here's his favorite way to refer to himself. The disciple that Jesus loved. As if Jesus didn't love the other disciples, as if Jesus didn't die for the whole world, but he loves to refer to himself in the third person as the disciple that Jesus loved. But there was one of the other disciples that John was constantly competing with and comparing with, and it was Peter. Peter and John were constantly uh, having these contests. Well, watch what happens on the morning of the resurrection. Jesus Christ has died, he's been buried, he's rose again on the third day, but the disciples don't know it yet. Watch as this comparison and competition plays itself out between John and Peter. You're gonna be glad you came to church. Watch this, John chapter 20, verse one. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the 
other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, (laughs) the guy that's writing this, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. They thought somebody stole the body of Jesus. They didn't know he'd rose from the dead yet. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running. Okay, so John lets you know that Peter and John are in a foot race to get to the tomb. It's game on right here. There, it's a race. And it says, they, they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. I just want you all to know, I got there first. I'm faster than Peter. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in. Come on, John. He stooped and looked in. Why did he say, I stooped and looked in? And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived after me, after I had already looked in. I had time to look around, check things out. You know, he was, he's kind of slow, guys. Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, <laughs> that's me, also went in and saw and he believed. I mean, is this hilarious or what? Jesus is alive and I'm faster than Peter. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's conquered sin and death in the grave. And I'm faster than Peter. Jesus has been resurrected. It's Easter morning. And I am the fastest disciple. I mean, this is hilarious. And it doesn't end there. Go to chapter 21. There's more. Jesus is on the earth for about 40 days. The disciples are out fishing in a boat. There's a man that appears on the shore. It's Jesus, but the disciples don't know who it is yet. They can't tell, it's early morning, it's kind of foggy. They're not sure who it is. And, and, and Jesus tells them to cast out again and catch some fish. And some of you know the story, but, but watch this. When they're trying to figure out who is this figure that's telling us to go fishing again, uh, chapter 21, verse seven says, then the disciple Jesus loved said to who? Peter, it's the Lord. I saw him first. I've got better eyes than you, Peter. I know Jesus better than you know him. I recognized him. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord from John, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, which I just got to ask the question right here. Was he fishing naked? That's weird to me. Okay. I That's just one of those questions I wanna ask God someday. Peter puts on his tunic and what does he do? He jumps into the water and he headed to the shore. Oh yeah, John, you saw him first, but I'm gonna get to him first. You may be faster than me, you can run faster, but I can swim faster. And he jumps in the water and he gets to Jesus first. I mean, these guys are just always comparing and in competition with each other. Would you like to see one more? Good, because I wanna show you one more. At the end of this gospel, chapter 21, look at verse 20. Now, let me give you the context. Jesus comes to the shore. They had caught all these fish. He cooks breakfast for them. They have a little shoreline breakfast there. And then Jesus starts talking to Peter, giving him his assignment for the rest of his life, giving him his mission, telling him, this is the race that I want you to run. And he tells Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, three times, feed my sheep, pastor people, make disciples, love Peter, love people. This is what he tells to Peter. Peter hears this this great responsibility. And then in verse 20, here's how Peter responds. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. 
the one telling you about this, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about John? You've been giving all, all these instructions to me. You've been telling me my assignment, my, but, what about, but what about him? And Jesus replied, watch this. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Why are you comparing yourself to John? Don't worry about John's assignment. Don't worry about John's race. You worry about yours. As for you, Peter, what does he say? Follow me. And isn't that the assignment we all have? Follow me, follow me, stay in your lane. Do what I've called you to do. Peter, quit comparing yourself to John. John, quit comparing yourself to Peter. And we can relate to this. You see, we can't faithfully follow Jesus when we're always comparing ourselves to someone or something else. We can't. That's the way the enemy wins. He sabotages us. And I wanna make this very practical. I don't wanna just go through the motions this morning. Yeah, we went to church, we put in our time, we can check that off our box for the week and feel good about ourselves. Let's put feet to this, let's put action to this. And I want you to ask yourself this question. This is the question that we all must individually answer between us and God. And I want you to look at this in your notes. Ask yourself this question. I'm gonna ask myself this question. Who or what is going to define my worth? If we don't wanna be sabotaged by the enemy by comparing, we have to answer the question, who or what is going to define my worth? Because too many times we are trying to define our worth by something or someone else by comparing. And if I can really get honest and get up in your business a little bit, there are people today that they're trying to compare their worth to a dad they've been trying to please. Or dad that maybe isn't even alive anymore. Or, or a mom they're trying to please, or a spouse, or a boss, or a friend, or, or somebody at work. You know, are you proud of me? Am I good enough? Am I accepted? Do I, do I measure up? And when we try to compare ourselves to something or someone else other than Christ, we are running a race that we cannot possibly win. When we are trying to find our worth in anything or anyone other than Jesus, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you from my own experience, we are running a race we cannot possibly win. And we're sabotaging ourselves. We're letting the enemy sabotage us when we, when we do this. The, the writer of Hebrews gave some great advice to all of us, and, and he said this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Who is it you're comparing to? What is it you're comparing to that is sabotaging you, that is slowing you down? What do you need to strip off, especially the sin that so easily trips us up? that sabotages us and let us run with endurance the race, help me out church, God has set before us. I would say run the race that God has set before you. Not your neighbor's race, not your friend's race, not your brother's or sister's race. Run the race that God has set before you the plan and purposes that God has for your life. Just like he said to Peter, Peter, don't worry about John, you just follow me. That's the way we should all live our Christian lives. Amen, church? And when we don't, when we try to run 
a race that is not our race or someone else's race. It's a race we cannot win. How do we do this? How do we run the race that God has set before us? We do this by keeping our eyes on who, church? Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That's how we win the race. We don't get our eyes off of Jesus. We don't look to our right. We don't look to our left. We don't look too far ahead. We don't look behind us. We don't look beside us. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We follow Jesus. We run the race that Jesus has set for us. We reverse the curse of comparing when we fix our eyes on Jesus and the race he has set before us. We sang about it this morning. Christ is enough. Do you believe that, church? Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. How do we stop comparing? We, we focus our eyes on Jesus. You know, if you run in a race, if you've ever ran track, one of the first pieces of advice they give you to win the race is you stay in your lane and you look ahead. You don't look beside you. You don't look behind you because the moment you do, you're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to get out of your lane. You're going to lose speed. The same is true in the Christian life. We keep our eyes on Jesus. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus and we find our ultimate worth, not in someone else or something else, but in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, here's the good news about this. We stop comparing and we become more content. We stop feeling inferior. We stop feeling superior. And we live in the abundance and fullness of our walk with Jesus Christ. And then when God does bless someone else in our neighborhood, our friend, our coworker, our family member, you know what we do? We rejoice. We celebrate. Man, that's awesome. You got a new vehicle. God bless you for that. I, that. That's so cool. Man, you got a new house. That's awesome. Your kids did well in school. God bless you. You got the promotion at work. Man, I'm celebrating that with you. I'm not jealous of you. I'm not comparing myself to you. I'm not running your race. I'm running my race. I'm staying in my lane. And we can celebrate. And it's so freeing instead of being sabotaged by the curse of comparing. Let Jesus determine your win. Let Jesus determine your race and your lane that you're supposed to run in. And I don't know how this is gonna speak to somebody. I don't know how this is gonna apply to your life. Only God can tell you what your race specifically is and your path. You need to get alone with God. You need to get into God's word. You need to pray. And the Bible says, if we seek God, we will find him. He, this is a prayer he wants to answer. And maybe, I don't know how he's going to answer it in your life, but maybe you're a Christian businessman or Christian business person and you say, you know what, the race and the lane that God has asked me to run in is that I run a business of character and integrity that is honoring to God. I may not be the biggest business. I may not be the fastest growing. I may not have the most money, but this is the race that God has called me to run. And one day I'm going to stand before my heavenly father and he is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You ran your race. You didn't try to run anybody else's race. Maybe you, you're a father and you say, man, I want to be a godly father and I know I could work more hours and I, I could try to climb the corporate ladder and I, I do want to provide for my family, but it's not worth sacrificing my marriage and time with my kids because kids spell love, T-I-M-E, and so I may not be the richest, I may not be the executive and CEO, but you know what? I'm going to run my race. I'm gonna be who God called me to be. As a Christian mom, I'm not gonna compare myself to other moms and how they raise their kids or what they do. I'm gonna run the race in the lane that God has given me. I don't answer for anybody else. I answer for myself. I answer to God. I wanna hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We have students in here. 
Middle school students, high school students, man, school is starting up. Some started last week, some are starting this week. Some of you made some big decisions at camp this year to run the race that God has set before you. And I wanna challenge you to keep your eyes on Jesus this school year, run the race, stay in your lane. You may not be the most popular kid in your school, you probably won't be, but you know what? You can follow Jesus and you can help other students find and follow Jesus. When you run your race, when you run your ways, See, here's the thing, as we wrap this up, nobody, nobody can beat you at being who God created you to be. Nobody can beat you in running the race that God created you to run. Let's stop allowing the enemy to sabotage us with the curse of comparing. Because where comparison begins, contentment ends, and God wants us to be content. Comparing There's no win in comparison. Comparing either makes you feel inferior to everyone else or superior, neither honors God. I hope you'll answer that question honestly today. I hope this week you'll let God continue to work in your heart. Who is going to define your worth? If it's anything other than Jesus, you're running a race you can't win. There's no win in comparison. Run your race. Stay in your lane. For God's honor and glory and for our good for our good. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would put action to this message today, that we run the race that you have set before each and every one of us, and that we would overcome the enemy's attack and sabotage of the curse of comparing. So continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. How many of you would be real enough today and honest enough today to say, you know what? I do struggle with comparing. I've been allowing the enemy within to sabotage me. I I struggle with comparing all the time. Listen, I I want you to define this. You can't defeat what you're unwilling to define. Call it what it is. And if that's you today, because I know that's an area of my life I have to constantly be aware of to overcome. I'm gonna raise my hand because I need prayer. Would anybody join me? Yeah, this is an area of my life that I'm being sabotaged. I wanna stop falling under the curse of comparing. Lift up your hands nice and high. Define it. Call it what it is. Amen. God bless you. Too many hands to count. Let me pray for all of us. Father, I pray that we would overcome the curse of comparing, that we would remember that we are more than conquerors through you who love us and died for us, that we don't don't have to fall prey to our enemy and his attacks and the sabotage of the curse of comparing. Help us to learn to be content to be content. So we continue in an attitude of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed. I know how this works. Um, We are so good, I'm so good in my life at comparing myself to other people and feeling better about myself. We compare ourselves among ourselves to feel better about ourselves. And nowhere is this clearer than when it comes to our relationship and standing with God. It's so easy to look around and go, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I don't do the things that they do. But see, other people aren't the standard of measurement. The holiness of God is. And you say, well, I could never live up to that. You're right. You can't. And that's exactly why we all need a Savior. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect, sinless life to atone and pay for our sins on the cross. He shed his blood to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. 
He made us righteous. He made us right with God. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of a relationship with God and our sins are what separate us from God. And unless our sins are forgiven, we'll be separated from God for all eternity. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that right now, to have your sins forgiven, to invite him into your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud in just a moment. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith behind this prayer, you can invite Jesus into your life today as your Lord and Savior. If that's you today, you know if God is speaking to you in that way. Would you pray this prayer? And it goes like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I'm asking you to come into my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to find and follow you today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. So we continue an attitude prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I wouldn't want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love, love to pray for you that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus from this day forward. I'm going to count to three and nobody else looking around but myself. If, if you prayed that prayer, can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? One, two, three. Lift up your hands nice and high all across the auditorium. God bless you over here. God bless you, sir, right here. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you over here. God bless you on my right. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Father, we just lift up all those saying yes to you today. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, may they, they grow to love you. May they fall in love with you the way you've loved them. And, and Lord, we just pray that you would help us not to compare. And Lord, that we would just be grateful for God that never leaves us, never forsakes us, and loves us so much and allows us to be a part of your, your family and your kingdom forever. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you just made that decision and prayed that prayer with Pastor Doug, we are so excited for you. That is the best decision you will ever make. And we know that those next few steps can be a little confusing. So we've created this booklet in order to help you in your journey in following Jesus. And we would love to get this in your hands. So you can email us at yes at orchard.church and we'll mail this to you so that you can begin to follow Jesus with your life. Here at Orchard, it's our desire to help people find and follow Jesus. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing, not just here locally, but even around the world, you can begin to partner with us and partner with God by clicking the Give tab in the upper right section of this website. Once again, thank you so much for watching. We hope that you can join us soon.